Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And of course, you know, today is no exception. Today's show is going to be about your sex and your happiness or somebody's, and hopefully it'll increase yours. Um, Today, we're going to talk about personal responsibility, like who you are in the matter of things in your life and how one person found her way to that. Um, participating at One Taste. So my guest today is Denise Harris, and Denise is an intimacy desire and communication coach. Did I say I didn't? Oh, no. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Take two. Um, We're going to start again. My pencil went into its thing when I was... (laughs) All right, here we go. Five, four, three, two... Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about sex and happiness that's your sex and your happiness. And today we're going to be talking about personal responsibility. Like, what are you responsible for in your life, and how do you determine your own personal accountability and responsibility in the matter of what you create in your life? And my guest today is Denise Harris, and Denise is an intimacy, desire, and connection coach, and she's also a tango dancer. She's the mother of four. She's a grandmother. She's a former Mormon. She'll probably talk about that a little bit, and she's a really overall interesting person who, if you were to meet her, you would say, this woman is in love with life, and so... That's why I wanted to interview her about personal responsibility because she has a lot to say about it. So Denise, welcome to Sex and Happiness. Thank you, Lori. I didn't, in the intro, I didn't say that you got involved with One Taste and that's how you actually discovered some things, but we'll talk about that. So let's talk a little bit about how you got to be who you are. How I got to be who I am is a whole 50 five-year-old now journey so um (laughs) well you started as a mormon so i did i started out as a child Uh, (laughs) my father was southern i grew up in charleston south carolina Mm. my father was southern baptist my Mm. mother was catholic um super conservative and um they didn't agree on religion so they never took me to church and then one day I'm up in a tree with a, you know, little friend down the road. And I think I was seven and she was five and we were climbing up a tree and she starts telling me about Sunday school and God. <laughs> I came home. I was like, mom, have you ever heard of God? <laughs> my mom kind of fell on the floor and then her and my dad had an argument. And uh, then my mom the Mormon missionaries knocked on the door and we all ended up becoming Mormon. Wow. Yeah. You were seven. It's my fault for instigating the God question at seven years old. Well, this shows about responsibility. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
totally. <laughs> so, so you were responsible for your family's entire shift. I really was. I really was. And like I tried really hard to fit into that mold. Um, like I was very, I was very devout and faithful. I got married. I was a virgin. I went to the temple. I had four children in six years. Um, <laughs> like I just did everything I could to actually like follow the rules and be a good woman. And um, at 29, I I was sick, really sick, like getting sick every couple of weeks with anything that would go around. I had lost a whole lot of weight. I was 89 pounds, and I shook like a leaf. And I actually heard a voice say, if you don't leave, you're going to die. If you don't leave? You're going to die. Marriage, the church, the... Yeah. No, if I didn't leave the situation I was in mm. in my marriage, um, and I ended up leaving um, in a way that, like, my tail was between my legs in shame because I felt like I had failed. My husband's uh, response was, I'm happy, you know, you should just stay. Whoa. I'm sorry for that. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know how to make my messages go away. Um, and I hope that doesn't happen again. Can you, uh, um, can you, um, can you turn the ringer off? Oh, maybe I can. That was on my computer though. That wasn't on my phone. Oh. Um, Sorry, I am technical. Right. I will count us in again. He, I'll, he'll, I'll tell him to edit that out. Okay. That's on your computer. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. So if it happens again, I'll just make note of it. Okay. Okay. So your husband said, I'm happy. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on a second. We'll just count in. Five, four, three, two. So your husband said, I'm happy. You should just stay. And, you know, to which you, your response was? Well, I just couldn't because I, you know, I, I tried and I heard that, like, I, I, we went to counseling. I'd been asking for counseling for like five years. And he was like, we don't need counseling, you know, and then, after that, you know, we went to counseling, but I heard this voice. I was super clear and I was absolutely, you know, like not going to question it. It was clear. And so I told him I wanted a divorce. And um, yeah, he, he said, I'm not going to help you. If you want a divorce, you'll have to like, you know, figure out how to move out on your own and pay for a lawyer. And I was a stay at home mom with four children. Actually, I had gotten a job for my sanity because I needed just adult stimulation. Mm -hmm. and, but because it was my choice to take this job, I also had to pay for the childcare for four children. And so I basically had maybe $50 every two weeks <laughs> of extra money. And, um, and so I really had no resources, 
And, you know, he's like saying stay and um, he's agreeing that if, if I want to leave, he'll hire a lawyer, but he's not going to help me find a lawyer or help me find an apartment. Um, and he's not going to help me get this divorce. So I left with half the cookware <laughs> and my car and my personal belongings. And I headed out to my mother's house in, who lived in Oklahoma. And, and did you take the kids or you left the kids? No, in the agreement, he said if I took the kids, it would bankrupt him. And because I didn't have, I didn't have, you know, my education yet. I had a four-year scholarship when I married him. All I had to do was um, buy the books, like I could even live there. And he was like, no, who's going to go to the bank for me? I need you to watch the kids. I'm too tired to watch the kids at night. You know, I'll take care of your education when the kids are all grown. And so I didn't have my education. I had very little job experience. And he was like, if, if you take the kids, it's going to bankrupt me to pay child support. And you're going to be working three jobs. And who knows who's going to be raising our children. And if you'll just like sign these agreements, then I'll take care of the kids. And when they're grown, I'll pay for their education. And you won't ruin their lives. You just just make this decision and move out on your own. So that's an interesting. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. it. <laughs> it was. It actually sounds sweet. <laughs> yeah. Like at the time, I thought it was. He was, you know, looking out for everyone's best interest. Um, mm. Yeah, and I didn't have any divorce friends, so I sound like I'm just, you know, dumber than dumb in this entire situation. Um, but you know, it was at that point, the only thing I knew to do. And I knew that I had to follow that voice. And so I moved in with my mother in Oklahoma and I got a job and I started, there were a number of like hoops I had to jump through before I could get primary. He had primary custody and I had secondary custody. And there were a number of hoops I had to jump through in order to get primary custody. But then when I had a lawyer look at it, it didn't say that I would obtain custody. It said I may obtain custody upon the agreement of both parties, which meant that nothing was going to happen unless he said yes. So, yeah, I grew up in a, in a world where men had all the power. And I, I didn't know that anything else existed. Sure. So that was one lifetime. No, that was several lifetimes ago. <laughs> yeah, but it's ama it's amazing because you you just nothing could you to me are like somebody that nothing could stop. Yeah, you yeah. Know, you're somebody who said, okay, whatever the challenge is and the hurdle is, I'm going to meet it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's really because of the opposition that I had. Yeah. Like, Really, truly, I am a very strong person. It's almost like the universe or my higher power or I, if you want to call it my, me, like set things up so that like I could really see that, that you know, there is, there is something that has my back mm -hmm. and, um, and that – my life is like, when I hear that voice, when I feel that call, then 
you know, I know that I can do it. Yeah, it's wonderful to have that such self-confidence and actually no reason to have it. I mean, it doesn't sound like you had an upbringing where it was adverse. So you got you were the only person you trusted in a certain way. It doesn't it just sounds like you have a very true got inner compass that, uh-huh. that enables you to direct yourself. Yeah. It's and it's amazing. And in the process, like I really, I kept a good relationship with my children, um, except my oldest. My oldest, within a year, had rejected me entirely. Mm. And she she had written me a letter that said, you know, I, I don't like you. I have nothing in common with you. And, um, and my stepmother is a better mother than you ever were. Mm. That was hard words to hear. Very hard. Yeah. And, um, and I went through a grieving process and then I actually had a moment when I was in an airplane after visiting my, the three kids that would see me and I was there and I had this vision of like four rose bushes. I was grieving the whole time that my oldest daughter wasn't there. And in that way, I actually wasn't fully present to the three that were there. And I sat on the airplane going home and I saw this vision of four rose bushes three of which were thriving and one of which was like, you know, the leaves were falling off and it was drying up. And I, and in this vision, I was moving it, was putting it in the sun and more shade and watering it more and fertilize. Like I just was doing everything I could think of. And this rosebush just kept dying and I just kept crying and crying. And then I looked over and the other three started to wilt. Right. So you started to pay attention to that, which, was working. Yeah. yeah, the message was um, love what you have. Mm. Love what you have. This is great. So I'm gonna this is a great place for us to take a short break. <laughs> and when we come back we'll talk about actually how you started to really follow desire and orgasm, how you got to one taste and and um, and then how it you made it work for you. Mm-hmm. So, If you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and I'm talking today with Denise Harris. And Denise is an intimacy and desire and connection coach. And I've had the pleasure to meet her about a month ago. And I found her story fascinating and absolutely worth sharing with you. So hopefully you, some of my listeners must be ex-somethings. And also may have gone through some hard divorce or might have been naive about all that stuff and may have a child not talk. I mean, there's so many coincidences here. There's so many people who need to hear from you that you can have a great life. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned for this because you don't want to miss a minute of it. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? That you don't need to earn it or prove it. You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the spiritual sexual shamanic experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. 
As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to butterflyworkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to schooloftemplearts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers. Only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to Butterfly Workshops dot com that's butterflyworkshops.com for your copy of sex and happiness if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this because many women say that their feelings of desire arousal and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like so i want to tell you about zestra because zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So, I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So, if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. We're back with Sex and Happiness, and I'm Laurie Handlers, and today my guest is Denise Harris. And Denise, you told us a little bit about your background in segment one and how you actually introduced Mormon church to your family and then also how things, you know, unfolded in your marriage and things. And we just talked about the last thing you said was love what you have, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because at Landmark Education, there's a statement, choose what you got. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even if you got dealt lemons, you choose the lemons and then you're empowered. If you don't choose the lemons, if you're always resisting what you have, you can't be empowered. 
Mm -hmm. Like there's no way to empower it if you don't embrace it. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like what you came to on your own. How did you, I know we're, I know we're skipping ahead because we can't tell the entire story, but um, how did you then come to find yourself somewhere where you heard about one taste and you started participating and you started to get some other huge realizations? Yeah, there was a fast forward. Um, I did um, fall in love and go straight into another relationship. I had this pattern of an, an underlying belief in my life that I wasn't safe in the world without a man basically protecting me and having me really like under his thumb. Mm. Uh, so the second marriage, I started to notice some of the same patterns as my first. And so I realized that, whoa, like this is me and I need to, I need to learn some skills or I'm going to go through the same thing. Um, so I learned some, uh, you know, assertiveness. I learned to start speaking up in a way that I hadn't before. I got better. Like it's just iteration upon iteration upon iteration. But I went through that marriage, um, changed a lot, grew a lot, and grew to a point where my husband was like, I really want the woman that I married 14 years ago or that I, you know, got into relationships, sorry, 12 years ago, not 14. And, you know, I'm like, I am not that woman anymore. I'm this woman and I love who I am, you know, and, you know, my wish is for you to fall in love with who I am because... I'm not going back. That's like going and asking me to be five years old again. It's impossible. It's and that's it's true. We can't go. We can't go backwards in time. We never can. All the new stuff in the world doesn't make it good. It doesn't make things right in the past. Right. right. So that one passed, and then I went straight into another relationship. Anyway, I I was a relationship addict. Yeah, it's like you're a serial monogamist. I was a serial monogamist, and I died in each one. <laughs> so, you know, like spiritually sort of like got to a place where I was physically ill again. Um, I had adrenal failure like four times. So, like that's sort of my my cue that my body will not go where I'm not meant to be, and it will not stay where I'm not meant to be. So... That's great. So you, there's that inner compass again. See, I believe that everybody has that. They're just not listening. They're looking outside. Totally. I was doing a lot of that too, like rationalizing. This should work. That should work. But anyway, after my third divorce and a nine-month relationship with a man who actually was a con man, um, I had a huge awakening. <laughs> <laughs> Huge awakening. Hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> Along with some PTSD. And um, <laughs> fortunately, I had, you know, I, I, I had become a coach. Um, I stopped coaching at that point. Um, and I was just like, I put myself in the ashram for three months. I worked with some trauma therapists and coaches and a lot of healing. And then I decided to move to Buenos Aires to dance tango because I realized, wait a minute, I am free for the first time in my life and I am not going to go into another relationship right away. I am going to stay, you know, I'm going to stay out of a committed relationship for at least a year. 
and I've always wanted to go to a foreign country, learn foreign language, like feel a new culture. And I love tango and I desire to go to Buenos Aires and dance tango. And I thought I'd be a tango teacher. So I'd been tangoing for two years in Portland, Oregon. And I decided to move to Buenos Aires for quote unquote a year and then see how it went. I was there for three years. It was an amazing time. I lived by myself. I learned what I wanted. How, what time do I want to eat breakfast? How late do I want to sleep in? When do I want to go out? When do I want to come in? All of that. And it, I stayed there for three years, and it was amazing. And then I started thinking, you know, I think I want – there's that relationship piece. I am here to – like have that in my life and resolve the things that I couldn't figure out in the last four relationships. And so I started taking a relationship course online and then Stephen Kotler, there was a web, um, a podcast with mm. Stephen Kotler who is a extreme sports guru. And he was talking about these crazy things he does, which I cannot even remember, but in my imagination of what he was saying and the incredulity of what he was saying, it was something like, I don't know, skiing downhill on a moonless night blindfolded. It wasn't that, but it felt like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and just like using his intuition in split moments um, where he was, he was like in life threatening situations where he had to rely on some brilliance beyond himself. And the mediator in that podcast said, oh, wow, dude, I'm paraphrasing totally. But he's like, dude, if I did that, I would die one time. You do this like, you know, over 20 times and you're still doing it. And if 99% of my friends did that, they would die. Like, you didn't just go out and do stuff like this. Did you do any kind of practices that helped hone your abilities? And he said, yes, I did orgasmic meditation. Those words went off like a gong in my body, like bong. <laughs> I did not hear the rest of the podcast. I was Googling. <laughs> uh, you were what? I was Googling orgasmic meditation. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah, I was Googling and, um, and I watched the videos and my body just lit up. Like I was just like, this is a very strange practice. Like I don't understand it. You know, I would never do this in a million years, but some part of me says I must try it. Um, of course, some part of me was like, I'll let you think that, but we are definitely going there. Like there was a pull that I felt to study this and to experience this. And so I was getting back into coaching and I had planned to go on a different coaching program. Um, and I went, I landed in San Diego and I went to a turn on and then I met these people um, mind you, in the years between where we stopped, like I had become a Zen monk. I'd been meditating for 12 years. Um, you know, I, I, meditation was something that was a huge part of my life. And I thought, I've never heard those two words put together. But I like them. You mean orgasmic meditation? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one ever had, although they know the term OM, but nobody had ever heard orgasmic meditation. And then the whole world heard it. Right. Yeah. And so at the turn on, I met some really interesting people. I was shocked that there were men there because I was like, I understand why women would do this. I have no idea why men would do this. And so I started interviewing them. Hey, what brought you out? What do you like about this practice? And um, just the level of presence that they had. Mm. And, um, there's a, there was definitely like one of them, and I can't remember who it was, and I wouldn't say their name even if I did. So it's a good thing I don't remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, you know, he said six months ago, like I just – you know, was so shut down and could not, um, I don't know how explicit I can be on this radio show. <laughs> okay, we'll just do it and let's see what happens. All right. He said, he, said, he said six months ago, I was just like, I, I had the worst luck with women. I couldn't be around a woman. I couldn't get near a pussy, you know, with a 10-foot pole. And then I heard about there's this practice that I could stroke, you know, a clitoris for 15 minutes. And I was like, I'm in. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, like the man who was actually speaking to me was present, comfortable, safe, beautiful. Like, I would have gone out with him if he would have asked me. Like, without a heartbeat of, like, you know weirdness at all like he was just a beautiful human being and I thought anything that could make that big of a difference in six months um I also need to know more about yeah so it it sounds like you met a person who you resonated with and you never met anybody before who was so present and so whatever and had, whose life had shifted yeah sounds, sounded wonderful so then let's go I want to like speed us up a little bit okay. too you know, so then you got into it and you learned some things that I think are like the kernel of this, like kind of who you are now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I went deep. Um, you know, I know it's very controversial with, you know, the, the programs and the prices that they charged. But you know what? Um, I went as deep as I could. Um, I stretched and I'm really glad that I stretched um, because it has changed my entire life. Like in the intensives, we all did step work before we even stepped foot in, the, in an intensive. We had to go through a complete, you know, all the way through to our ninth step in step work. And um, I had a long, long history of a very painful relationship with my father and my family. Mm. And um, like there was a there was a really pivotal conversation and, and a family reunion where like I don't know, I had I had strategized with my family. Like I could stay present and be kind and like have a good experience if I stayed for about an hour and a half, maximum two hours, and then I had to split. Um <laughs> it was like yeah. or or the the jabs would start going and then I would feel like a Crumble and I'd go into tears and I get triggered. Um, 
That's how so, most people are around their families. I mean, they have all these great expectations and the families have great expectations and then families just go into these patterns. Yeah. If you want to know how, how much progress you've made, spend, you know, four days with your family. Um, after, you, <laughs> after you've gone through a transformational piece of work. Like exactly. You go through something and then you go to your family and you see if you're the same old, you know, dish rag. Or if you're like, if you really can stand up. Exactly. Exactly. So we went through a four. Um, oh, I did want to, I want to tie in the piece with my daughter. I, w- I do want to say that we reconnected. Yeah. Her um, graduation. And like, we have a beautiful relationship. Oh, that's wonderful to know. Beautiful relationship. So beautiful that there's no regret for the seven years where we were disconnected because nothing could replace what we've got now. That's awesome. So talk about the whole piece. You got the piece about responsibility. Like when you were telling me about was you learned not to blame. Yes. And that to me is like, that's a big lesson for today. Yes. There's so many fingers being pointed in directions. There's actually fingers yeah. being pointed at one taste also. So, I mean, there's fingers flying in every direction where people are pointing outwards. Yes. Yes. Um, that is probably, I mean, besides having my sexuality open up and, and have access to my own orgasm and the way that like I experience it, not as the world says you're supposed to experience it. Like that richness is huge. And the other richness is that literally, like I can look back at everything. I mean, I could look back at everything and I could say, oh, you know, my husband did this and I'm a victim or, you know, um, you know, I spent this money and, and, you know, I could have done this with it and I'm a victim or, you know, I went into debt. Like I could say all of those things, but like, it's no fun. It's a no fun. It's mm. be, um, like, it, it's just like the energy of it doesn't feel good. And it be, it's so much fun to actually own your responsibility. And I will say it is an advanced pose. Like, you know, it's like one of those advanced yoga poses. Like if you're not ready, if you, if you, you know, if you really need to tell I mean, there are, there are things that need to be reversed. And if if you, you know, want to tell your story and, and, you know, change things in the world in that way, like, I am not against you. Like, I, I am like, there's a place for saying, hey, this is wrong. Let's change it. There's totally a place for that. Sure. Sure. And, and. Um, like I'm not in that place anymore. Like with any part of my life, I am not in that place. I am virtually, um, I don't know. I, I, I have not found a place where I can actually say that I've been violated because everything that's come into my life has actually served my growth. Everything that's come into my life has made me the woman that I am, the mother that I am, the coach that I am, and, you know, like, the the continual growth that I have and the continual relationship with, you know, the feminine. So 
so you're so let me just see if i can rephrase it so you're saying that you've come to a place which you think is advanced you know which you consider it's a pose i have never been in before yes so it is a pose that i could only take once i had enough awareness to actually find the gifts in all of the places where i felt like i was a victim so good so it is possible for other people to find that the strength and the wherewithal and to have enough experience yes. to be able to claim that as well if they should choose to. Yes. And it's there every single time. I have never seen it not be there. Right. So it's just, see, I think that being a victim is a learned response. I just think it's part of the way, you know, it's part of our culture. It's part of television. It's part of, songs you yep. made, you did this to me you made me this you made me that but i think in fact that people are totally responsible for creating it totally. exactly the way it goes totally and like you know the being in our victim pattern or victim story is like so it, it's it's well paid like <laughs> a lot of attention <laughs> It's, yes. it's like valid, right? Like, yes, you were wronged. We should get, you know, a reckoning for this and a reckoning. And, and some things do need a reckoning. Like, you know, thank God. Thank God, like, things have changed. Thank God we don't have slavery. Thank God, you know, thank God civil rights came and, and all the, play like, I have, that. those are all beautiful things. And, like, there's another pose beyond that. And you can go there if you choose. Well, I actually would, t I, it's funny that you can say that I, this could like really turn a lot of people off, but I wouldn't thank God for those things. I actually would thank myself for those things and people for those okay. things. For sure. I, I just like when I used to, years ago, when I used to teach a sort of communication, I used to say, why is it that people think that if, you know, if their kid did a bad thing, it's their fault. But if their kid got an A, thank God for that. Like, if yeah. we're, if we're co-creators, like I'm going to take, I'm going to take accountability for the good stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> I think I need to also say, thank God for those people. Right. That's what I really wanted. That's yeah. the actual meaning of what I was meaning to say. Yeah. So it's great. It's wonderful that you, that you learned that. Now we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what it means to like follow your orgasm, follow your desire and be responsible for that. Like, how is this leading you now in your life and in your world? Like, where are you at? Um, because you're clearly in a different, you're like, these three segments will be like three whole different aspects of Denise. <laughs> so, so it's great. Uh, and I love that you made reconciliation with your daughter. That's so great too. Because and my father. And your, wow. So and my father, that was the biggest one. <laughs> that's so great. So congratulations on that. And that's, you know, I want people to hear on the show that that's possible. And it's possible even if you're a rebel, even if you stand up and move out and speak up and don't do the things that these other people expected of you, when you come to your center, at whatever place you're at 
in your life, you can actually cause big shifts in the other people, even the ones who seemed like your arch enemies. And that's, uh, and that's really important that you could do that, Denise, on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know, so, all right, we're going to take another break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what I just said. We're going to talk about what does it mean to follow your desire or your orgasm? What does that even mean? That's like, that's like some kind of different language. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to find out how you can get in touch with Denise. If any of this story resonated with you, which probably it did. So we'll be right back. This is Sex and Happiness. Stay tuned. So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too. Meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with a Sibian has personally increased my sexual response and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add, trust me on this, I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N dot com or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say Lori Handler has told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S for Men. You're listening to Sex and Happiness. Again, I'm Laurie Handlers, and I'm interviewing Denise Harris, who I happened to luckily meet a few weeks ago. And, uh, and you know, I heard her story, and I went, I got, we, this has to, I have to have her on here so, so you can hear her too. So, Denise, what does it mean to, to follow your desire? What does that mean? Um, well, desire 
in the way that that one taste teaches mm -hmm. is the perfume of orgasm and orgasm is different than climax it's it's um when you when you feel when a woman orgasms it moves up and down and over and sometimes there's this long riding the edge and then oh maybe it goes back a little more and then it like down and deep and animally and then it's like oh my god god is here and you know it just like goes all over the place it flows and um you know we see sex and orgasm portrayed in the movies is you know climax based you know it's mm. uh, it's like it's about climax it's about the cock getting hard and the you know juices flowing or squirting or whatever like you know it's like more 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 toys more um you know trips to costa rica or you know <laughs> Las Vegas or, or like whatever, like it's, it's just more, 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 more. And what orgasm is, is it's rooted in the simplicity of connection. Mm. And it's rooted in your level of attention. And um, it's a practice. Orgasmic meditation is a practice that cultivates attention, focus and orgasm. And orgasm transmits, you know, that's why the porn industry is majorly focused on like uh, women's bodies transmitting to men because women's bodies transmit energy more so than men's bodies. I'll just say that. Maybe I'm wrong. No, Maybe I think you're right. I think men's bodies are the facilitators. Men's bodies yeah. facilitate women's bodies, but this is in the straight world. If you're, if yeah. you're, if you're gender bending, then, you know, we all have masculine and feminine in us, so you, so somebody can feminize themselves or masculinize themselves. Exactly, there are masculine women and there are feminine men, and there's just a whole range of you know fluidity and sexuality and gender um, identity. And when I say woman, I'm really speaking feminine. Mm. Um, but women's bodies do transmit. Like we have clitorises. Like where there is no other place on any human body that has 8,000 nerve endings in the tiniest little place called a clitoris. Right. And it's only, it's only, uh, it's only function is pleasure. Exactly. I had a friend who told me, who said, um, you know, if that's not a portal to something, what is? <laughs> <laughs> How astute of your friend. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, that, <laughs> that is my experience. It is a portal. Um, and so when in this practice that, you know, just the attention on that practice and it not being connected to sex or not being a part of foreplay, it's a meditation practice and you learn to feel and stay present in that sensation and then be able to talk about it in the form of a frame, something that you felt in your body. You know, mm. like I felt a buzzing, a warm buzzing uh, pulse in my clitoris and, and a sort of wavy golden, 
airy sensation up my core. Okay, so yeah, so you are now giving us the practice, but now you, I want you to apply it to like life. Life, great. So I'm, you know, that what I'm asking for is because, hmm, because for many reasons, a lot of people aren't going to be able to study this anymore, uh, you know, or participate in this practice anymore, but you've learned something that like extends into your life, like a metaphor for how you move through. Okay, so I will talk about life. I do want to say that there are coaches out there who train people in this practice. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the intention is that the courses will be put online um, at some point as soon as they're able to. Yes. So that more available. Um, now, as far as life goes, um, like the thing that I learn in life is how to stroke. Like when I'm having a conversation with someone, if I've got a whole lot of things to say to them, I don't just blah, 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 blah. Well, I can, and I used to do that. Just like pour out in them without like connecting first and saying, you know, hey, how are you feeling? You know, we'd have an argument and I'd be defending myself. Hey, I didn't mean that. I meant this and blah, 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 blah. It was like, here I can slow down and put my attention on what I feel in my body and what I'm noticing in my body and what I'm noticing over there. And, um, and I can get back into connection and then we can actually um, have a really potent conversation because I'm not in the place of getting defensive or triggered. Um, is that what you mean? Like something like that? Yeah. Or no, I, well, when you speak to me, you say, usually say, you know, I'm, I can now follow my desire. I can yeah. follow my orgasm. So it, yes. those are good examples. Those are real, those are great real examples. And, um, yes. but also I feel like you're not, I'll just say it. I, my impression is you are not following anything prescribed anymore. You That's are not fitting into a mold. You are not living some fantasy of what it should be or could be. You're actually flowing, in my words, you're actually flowing in each moment to whatever it is that you're present to and making choices moment by moment. Is that correct? Exactly. And like it works, like you can live this way. I've been a nomad for three years, just mm. following the intuition and following the voice of where do I want to be right now? I was in LA for 18 months and then I was in San Francisco for a while, then Portland, Oregon. Then uh, I went to London for a couple of months. I came back to San Francisco, back to LA then I felt the call to Bali. I went to Bali, you know, and like all of this is actually happening, not as like a frivolous thing, but there's actually a thread where everywhere I go is exactly where I need to be. There are people I meet and things that happen that are um, beautiful exchanges of wisdom and energy everywhere I go. And I had this desire to, um, you know, when one tastes, stopped holding own circles and community 
and then communities kind of held themselves for a while. And then now that One Taste is no longer doing the events that they were doing before, like this desire to hold the song, what I call the Sangha of Orgasm, which in Buddhism, there's the three treasures, which is the Buddha, which in this practice is the transmission of orgasm and awakening. Um, and the Dharma is the teachings and the Sangha is the community of practitioners. And I just want to, I had this desire to hold the Sangha of orgasm globally. I was like, no, somebody else should definitely do that. It should not be me for sure. I've been doing this for three years. Somebody should do that. But nobody actually stepped up to do it. And then I felt the invitation somewhere. Um, the, um, there to like help gather stories because they were going to go and um, try to, you know, have orgasm sanctioned as an actual wellness practice because it's different than sex and it's grouped in the sex laws, which is why, you know, why it's so risky to teach it and to do things is because people associate it with sex, but mm. it's not sex. So they, they just wanted to distinguish it as a wellness practice, as a meditation, and that this is what it is and this is what it's not. And, um, and so, you know, I thought, well, great. Well, I want, I want to hold a community of people. I don't know how to do it. And, you know, I would love for this community of people to be able to, like, help make changes in the law so that things like that can, can be protected. Things like Tantra, things that are, things that really, like, the power of wellness in our sexuality when it's held consciously is just enormous. I've had a lot of healing in this. So uh, true. Yeah. And so, so, and so I felt that call get bigger. And then I created IOMS, the International Orgasmic Meditation Society, which if you are trained in this practice, you can join us on Facebook and we'd love to have you. If you're not, uh, if you're not trained in this practice, you do have to be trained. And if you reach out to us, we'll try to help you. We'll get you hooked up with someone who can train you. Can you spell um, it? Could you spell that? Yeah, it's I-O-M-S, International Orgasmic Meditation Society. Okay, great. And do you can find, where can you find that? On Facebook? on Facebook? Just go on Facebook and you'll see it. All right, great. So do you have a last tip? Like I got what you, I mean, this was, I, this went somewhere I didn't expect, which is great. You like took a stand for the whole thing in the world, which I, I did. And then people showed up and like, we're doing it. We're actually going to hold a summit for community holders because when the holders aren't nourished and held, it's really draining to hold community. So I want, mm. I want to build community that's community held community. Um, you know, sort of like, uh, like a family reunion where we create an event that magnetizes and nourishes and, um, you know, just really saturates us so that we can go out and serve, but in connection where we're not alone. Yeah. And, and that way build events for community members, but I need the community holders first. Mm -hmm. um, 
so that we can do it together because I can't do it by myself. I can well, who, hold the fire. Yeah, but nobody can do anything by themselves. I mean, you know, that's, that's the whole part of being a human being. <laughs> we think we can do things alone, but it not, very little gets accomplished alone. Very, that's very why little. we thrive in community. So now let me ask you, if someone hears the call, you know, while they're listening to this program, mm -hmm. is that the only way to get in touch with you through IOM? No. Um, okay. if, if you're interested in coaching or if you're interested in, you know, taking more responsibility in your life in that realm, mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'll give you my phone number. Is that... I think maybe your email at a, do you don't you don't have a website. Oh, my email is terrible. My website is not up yet, and my okay. I avoid email like the plague. Um, you can give your phone number. I mean, people okay. have before. Yeah. Okay, my phone number is eight five eight five one nine two one nine zero. All right. Well, Denise, thank you so much for being my guest today on sex and happiness. You are an example of somebody who is sexy and happy, who went from being a mold of something, you know, like some expectation of something, you know, and through a lot of iterations of being that to being yeah. your own person and being sexy and happy at it and following intuition and following desire and orgasm it's your story's awesome it's it's incredible and you know i know there are more people out there like you who need to hear this and that's why i thank you so much for being my guest today thank you so much i love the work that you're doing and i am honored to be on your show thank you <laughs> thank you everybody who is listening please tune in next time when i will have another amazing guest i'm actually going to have uh, a physician a naturopathic physician from oregon who has a really great safe sex talk and she, it's called stars and she's going to be on the show talking about how to have a safe sex or a safer sex talk with someone uh, it, and how to teach it to your children and your teenagers as well. So that'll be a pivotal show. So please tune in next time when I will have that guest. And this is Laurie Handlers signing off for Sex and Happiness. Thank you all for listening and thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Laurie and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.